0: radio Welcome everybody to ACO Watch, a midweek review with Wayne Pan Dr. Wayne Pan. I'm your host Greg Masters, publisher of the blog ACOwatch.com, also known on Twitter as Two Health Guru. We're broadcasting today from San Diego, California on March the 23rd, 2011. This is the 16th segment in our weekly series that monitors and informs the emerging accountable care organization industry. Um, I'm really excited today. My my special guest, who I had the privilege of meeting on Sunday at the second session of Health Camp San Diego, is Dr. Wayne Pan, Chief Medical Officer of Pacific Partners Management Services, also known as PPMSI. For more information, you can go to the website, www.ppmsi.com, Uh, and check the company out dr pan's background spans clinical medicine as an orthopedic hand surgeon basic science researcher in the field of molecular biology and executive leadership in managed care and health information technology as cmo he is responsible for providing professional medical direction to ppmsi and the ipas contracted ipas not including but implementing uh, maintaining and refining approved quality improvement and utilization management programs and keeping up to date with and ensuring compliance with federal reg- regulation and NCQA requirements. Welcome, Wayne.
1: Uh, good morning, Greg. Thank you very much uh, for that kind introduction.
0: Thank you. I'm glad you could join us today. Uh, weather is a little bit better today than it was uh, a little bit earlier this week. So uh, today we're enjoying some absolutely lovely. Sunny days in San Diego. So, first up, Wayne, tell us about PPMSI. What is it and and what does the company do?
1: So, PPMSI is a management services organization, and uh, we are founded by uh, Santa Clara County IPA, which is our partner, which is our parent company. And PPMSI basically functions as the administrative organ for uh, SCIPA, or the Santa Clara County IPA. And we administer nine different health plan HMO contracts for SCIPA, and uh, the administrative uh, functions that we do include uh, customer service management, uh, network management, and utilization management and quality oversight.
0: Sorry Wayne, I I, I, I muted myself for, for a minute. I was saying you mentioned IPA for those who may not know what is an IPA?
1: An IPA is an association of independent uh, physician practices uh, that have uh, joined together uh, to form a, an, a, uh, a practice uh, organization that will be managed by a single management services company uh, in order to serve uh, health maintenance organization. Type patients or HMO patients. Uh, we solely manage the HMO product lines. We do not uh, manage uh, the PPO product lines or preferred provider organization product lines uh, at this time.
0: Okay, excellent. So uh, I was um, um, blessed to be in a presentation that you gave on Sunday uh, on ACOs. So tell us a little bit what you what are they? What are they? And and where do, where do they come from?
1: All right. So uh, accountable ACOs are accountable care organizations. Um, is, a, is a new term of art, uh, which was introduced uh, with uh, the Obama health reform legislation. And the concept behind ACOs is to uh, try to stem the, um, the rising growth of uh, insurance, health insurance expenses um, that, that's been plaguing our country for the last uh, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, the concept behind ACOs is that um, the current system is based on uh, volume, uh, so all the providers, all the healthcare providers in the system, are incentivized to uh, do more, more volume procedures, and that's how they make money. And the ACO construct is designed so that it's not uh, a volume-based uh, purchasing or uh, volume-based reimbursement, but more of a value-based reimbursement. So the principal difference between an ACO and the current such setup is that an ACO requires that the, all the providers are basically sitting um, at the table on the same side of the table. So currently right now we have hospitals and physician groups essentially sitting um, at, different, you know, at the table at different times, and they're not at, at the table at the same time with respect to the payers or the insurance companies. Under the ACO uh, construct, uh, which still has to re- be defined more, uh, more, more, more um, granularly by um, by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, um, will have the hospitals and the providers sitting at the table together with the payers in order to come up with uh, ways to um, manage uh, patients uh, in a way that's more um, cost effective and higher quality.
0: So they're going to uh, perhaps this is a new and improved version of what was um, experienced back in the '90s called physician hospital organizations.
1: Yes, uh, a lot of people say that this is sort of deja vu all over again, and I would I would like to differ that while it's um, officially it looks like it's the same thing with physicians and hospitals working together, um, it is different this time because there is uh, more uh, data that's available to help manage patients better, and I think the urgency for physicians and hospitals really to work together uh, to really uh, make patients the center of care um the, the need for that is, is much more pressing now.
0: So how would you contrast it if it's not just a new and improved HMO or a new and improved uh, PHO, per se? Uh, contrast, and I know we're waiting for this granular regulation to come out, but talk about it from the point of view of a management company, PPMSI, and a client IPA, Skippus, uh, Santa Clara County IPA. H- ha- w- what's your lens on this? G- give us some give us some some flavor of, ha- of how you see ACOs versus what we saw in the 80s and 90s.
1: So, uh, I think um, we have to talk about ACOs in the uh, from the way that is looking at it is from a a commercial ACO viewpoint. Um, the ACO regulations that will be coming out shortly are related to the Medicare ACO which is actually in the health reform legislation. And as you know, typically, commercial um, plans will follow what Medicare does, and uh, so this is something that uh, will appeal to uh, the plans to provide these types of arrangements for their employer clients. So from SCIPA's standpoint and from PPMSI's standpoint, an ACO is a a way to manage uh, those people that are right now in the PPO system or the Preferred Provider Organization system. In that system, um, the enrollees or the employees typically um, are able to go to any provider within the network. Um, But if they want to go outside the network, they certainly can. They just have to pay a little bit more. And there really essentially is no management of uh, these uh, patients because patients are not assigned to a particular primary care doctor, for, for example and if they wanted to get an MRI every day of the week um, they could certainly do that as you know as long as they pay their their co-payments or their uh, co-insurance part of the uh, of the payment for the procedure under an ACO um, organization this member would be assigned to, let's say, SCIPA, if it was a, as an ACO organization, and SCIPA would be managing, uh, well, PPMSI would be managing this patient, but not in the sense of an HMO where there's a referral and authorization process, but the physicians in the ACO would be directing the care a little bit more, so it would give the patients a little more guidance. In addition, because the hospitals are, have to be involved in this as well, Hospitals will also be interested in making sure that the patient isn't uh, coming to the emergency room, for example, um, every day of the week for headaches, and will try to redirect the patient back to their uh, patient-centered medical home. The idea here is that with the hospitals and physicians all on the same side of the table, the um, the risk associated with patients overutilizing services um, is falls both falls upon both the uh, hospital and the physician group. And so this is different from the HMO or the current system where hospitals get paid every time a patient goes to the emergency room. In the ACO situation, um, hospitals realize that increased utilization of resources as a whole will hurt their bottom line um, at the end of the year or you know, when, the, when the settlement comes up.
0: So, what's the psychology within the culture of Skippa? Uh, are are the docs basically embracing this as sort of yeah, this makes sense. This is a logical extension of what we're already doing.
1: Yeah, I think um, physicians have always been frustrated by the um, the volume based uh, system in, wh- in which uh, patients um, have no uh, incentive to. Um, reduce their utilization and hospitals, have no incentives to uh, keep patients out of the hospital because of the way that the payments are going. Under an ACO situation, um, all the providers will essentially be rowing in the same direction. Hospitals being um, one of the major uh, resource uh, utilizers in in healthcare costs uh, would also be incentivized to uh, improve patient uh, prevention and reduce uh, inpatient stays. So typically right now, a hospital is interested in making sure that their beds are filled because that's how they make money. Um, for each admission, they get paid. However, under an ACO system, the hospital actually would, would make more money um, with uh, by having patients use the hospitals less.
0: Now, I have to say that that is an enlightened physician perspective. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely uh, different. But.
1: I think in California we've done you know, managed care for so long that we see the, um, the flaws that are currently occurring, and, and we see that uh, we can't continue with the same uh, system that we have right now.
0: What's the demographic of, of the physician network for SCIPA? Is it, uh, what's the average, the median age? Um,
1: I'd say the median age is probably um, mid to late 40s. So we have an older population of physicians. Um, that's actually really a really good point here. The uh, younger physicians actually nowadays are choosing to uh, be employed as opposed to being independent practitioners. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, and the chief of which is it's extremely difficult to understand the, the myriad ways of uh, reimbursement that physicians, um, you know, the contracts that they have to enter into. And unless you're in a... Um, in a situation like Skippa, where there's a management services organization that can help manage, we have managed nine different HMO contracts. It really is, is a bewildering um, array of uh, ways of getting paid or not getting paid if you don't do it correctly.
0: Are the payers knocking on your door with uh, prototypes or pilot possibilities here, or what's going on, on on that side?
1: Yeah, we've actually had a lot of activity from um, almost all the commercial plans. Uh, to come discuss with us uh, potential ACO pilot projects. Um, as you know, this is um, something that they're very interested in, in in doing because I think their concern is that if uh, they're not at the table um, with the physicians and the hospitals as they're forming these ACO organizations, um, they're going to be um, facing a, a more difficult provider um, group to be uh, negotiating with.
0: For for purposes of the maybe the not so savvy managed care resource management value based uh, pricing physician perspective, uh, skip is 250 so primaries. The balance are specialists for a total of 800 docs. Where's the leadership around this coming from? Is it primary care or are there specialists engaged as well?
1: It's both primary care and specialists. I think, um, and it's really the the board and uh, the board leadership that is uh, pushing for. Uh, and looking at ACOs um, as sort of another uh, or the next way of delivering healthcare, And it's a couple reasons. One, um, the HMO population has been declining over the last several years, and, um, and partly it's because of the, um, the way that uh, managed care has been uh, viewed by the public as being uh, more restrictive and people want more choice, so they go to PPO. And the other part of it is that the PPO products are typically cheaper for employers, so employers are more likely to have um, uh, higher deductible PPO plans and less inclined to uh, to offer HMO plans
0: now. Isn't isn't that fascinating though? Yeah. Because it used to be the HMOs were the cheaper, more right. leaner plans. PPOs were sort of the new and improved fee for service indemnity plans with some steering benefit differentials. But now we're saying it's flipped. We're
1: yeah you know,
0: the full patent <laughs> right. So interesting. Time time marches on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Um, well uh talk a little bit about the the governance structure of Skip in relation to the management company. Is the management company under contract or, or is there some ownership relationship? What, how does that work?
1: Yeah, PPMSI is wholly owned by Skippa. So it's uh, it's a it's a wholly owned subsidiary. And uh, PPMSI has has two divisions. One is the one that does the management services um, uh, functions and the other piece is uh health access solutions, which actually is a software piece. And Health Access Solutions actually works hand-in-hand with uh, PPMSI to help deliver the managed care services. And it has created a software which has been able to um, streamline the, uh, the administrative pieces of, of uh, working with managed care, such as things like uh, authorizations and referrals have all, are all done electronically and are online.
0: Uh, let's get more into that in a minute, but let me ask you personally, uh, arguably perhaps a subspecialist in, in medicine, how did you migrate into managed healthcare in a leadership position?
1: Yeah, That's uh, sort of my odyssey uh, through healthcare. When I first started, I never imagined I would be uh, doing what I'm doing today, but um, I practiced for about five years in various different settings as an orthopedic hand surgeon, uh, both in academic as well as private uh, practice settings, and then uh, went to Kaiser um, and learned about their system, hearing that you know, it was the, the mecca for uh, for organized medicine. And then finally, after going through all these places, I realized that uh, you know, the system was extremely broken, particularly for a subspecialist as a hand surgeon, where you typically don't uh, see the patients until they've gone through the ringer, so to speak. And um, at that point, I realized that I wouldn't be able to affect a change in the delivery system if I was seeing patients one-on-one and moved into managed care uh, first as a medical director for a local medical managed care plan at Health Plan San Mateo, um, and then moved on to other Medical managed care plans in the Bay Area, uh, setting up two uh, Medicare Advantage plans in the meantime. Uh, during during my tenure there, and as I was going through the health plans, I also realized that um, while they are the payer, uh, but and and uh, they oversee a lot of things, they they are not at the stick end of the game where they can actually make changes. Uh, it's ultimately the provider end that needs to be. Um, moved. And so that's why I moved to the provider side and and started with a small um, IPA in the East Bay and then moved over to Skippa just about a year ago.
0: You having fun?
1: Oh, yeah. This is is sort of my dream job right now because I I see both on the clinical side and the management side as well as on the uh, software side, which is extremely
0: exciting. Cool. Awesome to have your energy in that conversation. Let me ask you about uh, uh, primary care physicians uh, thinking about forming an ACO. Do they need a management company?
1: Yeah, I think they. um, This is not something that uh, typically a clinically trained uh, physician um, will understand all the ways, all the things that are involved in uh, in setting up an ACO. So it it definitely will require some uh, professional management that uh, to understand both the structure as well as uh, the contracting and, and exactly what needs to be done in order to be a successful ACO.
0: So in California, we're a corporate practice of medicine state. So in the, the law in California is you must be a professional corporation, mm-hmm. and but they don't want to necessarily own these assets per se. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I think the thing with ACOs is that it's um, it's like somebody was saying uh, I think at Hems that that's a unicorn. Um, people can describe it; they've actually never seen one. Um, there's there's going to be many different flavors of what an ACO is going to be or look like. And um, whether a management company actually owns the ACO or whether or not it's um, it's a uh, sort of joint uh, um, operating um, uh, company from both a provider organization and a hospital uh, remains to be seen or whether or not um, insurers will have shares in that as well. I mean, I think there's going to be multiple ways that uh, these organizations will form.
0: What's the prevailing wind you're sensing from perhaps the so-called cons- the experts here who are guiding uh, organization and formation of, of ACOs? Are you picking up a, a, a predominant uh, direction here?
1: Um, well, Skippa obviously would would like to have the more physician based, and um, if I was working in the hospital, I think I would want the hospitals to have the bigger voice. Um, I think at this point, um, it's it's hard to tell whether or not physicians. Will end up being um, the sole leaders uh, in this in these types of organizations. I think most most likely it'll be a, a partnership between the hospitals and, and the physicians, uh, because I don't think that either side trusts the other enough to allow the other side to have the upper hand.
0: So, okay, so how does, (laughs) (laughs) funny you should say that. (laughs) You know, there's the hospital as commodity point of view, or there's the hospital as partner point of view. Which side of that do you sort of uh, lean towards?
1: Uh, We we clearly lean towards hospital as partner. Hospitals actually are a a unique organization uh, and organism in the healthcare landscape because Um, there's a high concentration of um, very expensive capital-intensive resources, and it's really important that we have a hospital partner that uh, views uh, quality as number one and that uh, patient care and patient-centeredness is uh, is top of mind. So not all hospitals necessarily see it that way, and I think the more uh, progressive hospitals will will come to the front to to be partners in ACOs.
0: So if this marriage is going to work, Between an alliance that is often tense for lots of reasons up to and including they talk different languages come from a different culture look at the world through a different prism. What's the first step in arranging this marriage (laughs) so it can actually work?
1: I think it's really having the leadership buy into the concept of an ACO. So when we were at HIMSS, we sat in a a meeting that was pretty eye-opening The the title of it was something like, uh, you know, how we are using sort of ACO um, uh, principles to improve quality in our delivery system. And it was a a hospital administrator talking about the way that they were able to uh, improve compliance with um, prevention uh, services and how they were able to get the system working with the providers on board and getting notified through an electronic system. So, we thought this was really great and we were hoping to see, you know, some results from this but what happened was that she she sort of taint, uh, sort of exposed what why they were doing this by making a statement saying that well during the summertime when we have a high census in the hospital we turn this system off so
0: clearly
1: <laughs> so clearly there are systems there there are health systems out there led by hospitals that are not viewing this in the new way but still viewing it in the old way where you know beds and uh, heads in beds is kind of the the mantra of the day and clearly you know, if, if she had said that, well, you know, we leave this on all the time, despite our increase in, 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 um, in occupancy during the summer, that would have been reassuring to me. But instead, she you know, went back to the old ways, which I think is, you know, is difficult because hospitals have always been worried about census. And, and this is not a situation where you have to be worried about census, but worried about how patients are being cared for within the system.
0: I you know that just i'm i'm stunned listening to you about that perspective because that's such a superficial grasp of uh, of the triple aim concept you know it's like where have you been <laughs> right, exactly well
1: we were just flabbergasted when I heard you yeah
0: yeah interesting so um what's going on in northern california are you guys um, uh unique uh, are you uh, in a pool with other like-minded players what's going on in terms of positioning and organizational um uh readiness
1: well, Northern California actually is is on the forefront of the ACO movement. There's actually one of our um, competitor IPAs has, has actually had a demonstration project in Sacramento for over a year now uh, with uh, CalPERS and Blue Shield and uh, Catholic Healthcare West hospitals in Sacramento managing about 40,000 uh, of the CalPERS patients and this was i think instigated by CalPERS, who as a as a purchaser of healthcare uh has realized that they they need to sort of step up to the plate and and see what they can do to help uh move uh, the ACL movement along and i think the results have been pretty good although they i don't think they've finalized exactly what the uh what the financial or quality results have been but um uh, that's that was our you know sort of first step up here and I've heard in Southern California there's some you know, similar type projects. And, again, the activity in Northern California is pretty, is pretty intense. There are, there are a lot of groups trying to um, form these uh, pilots and trying to figure out how best to, uh, to uh, accommodate.
0: So your reach is, what, San Jose up through Mid-Peninsula area? What, what would your primary so market be?
1: Yeah, we're just in Santa Clara County. So it goes all the way up to, um, I guess, uh, Northern Santa Clara, all the way down to Gilroy and Southern Santa Clara.
0: And that's because of existing referral relationships, or is it a tightly defined medical trade, medical service area? How did you select Santa Clara County?
1: Yeah, it it was historically based in in Santa Clara County,
0: and so um, all of our contracts are based on a county level. Okay. Any reciprocity with people north to the north?
1: Uh, At this point, we don't, uh, although there have been – I think the the health plans would love us to be – Uh, maybe helping them in in other markets. Um, I think Santa Clara is also a little bit unique compared to the other counties in Northern California in that, um, and this may not be politically correct, but we don't have a Sutter Hospital in our system. So it makes uh, contracting a little bit easier because um, it's well known uh, that Sutter hospitals and the Sutter Hospital system um, is more expensive uh, than other um, hospital uh, systems. And uh, because of that, the health plans have been doing quite well in Santa Clara County. And may not be doing as well in other counties.
0: Okay, since you brought it up, I have to go there. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, so that that you, you mentioned that um, that issue, which is out there in the in the conversation about vertical, in, you know, the ACOs and the uh, uh, pa- the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act, basically driving vertical integration, which is more about. Consolidation and market power than necessarily managing price and providing value so that that's that's kind of what's out there right now Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think that's definitely a fear that um, as These organizations form and become vertically vertically integrated that the health plans are really going to be um, at the mercy of the providers now um, I think there, there may be that type of mentality um, but of course that's that's still you know, yesterday's way of delivering healthcare, and at the end of the day, the real savings and the real um, money-making that's going to happen is really by having a true partnership and really being able to reduce the cost of care, but at the same time, improve quality. And as soon as we could demonstrate that, I think people will start uh, not worrying about this uh, vertical integration and, and start focusing on what's really needed, which is really patient-centered healthcare. Um, Ultimately, patients are going to be uh, held more responsible for things that are happening on the clinical uh, front because patients that, let's say, are diagnosed with chronic diseases that are not um, adhering to their medications or the regimens that they're supposed to be following are are ultimately driving costs of care higher, and uh, this needs to be
0: addressed as well. So without naming names, um, in terms of the positioning here and organizational readiness for the ACO onslaught, uh, do, you, do you see most uh, enterprises in the we're about patient acquisition, you know, uh, heads and beds concept, or is it more about you know, let's figure out how to ma- create value and managed resources? So I think
1: there's probably two camps. One one camp is um, reactive and and fearing that whatever's going to happen happens to them, and what are they going to do to either block it or to um you know try to take advantage of the system by you know forming these vertically oriented, oriented organizations that be have market power and then the other organizations that are more proactive are seeing that this is a real golden opportunity to really demonstrate that um you know what people have been talking about um now they're going to walk the walk so to speak and and actually look at um, how you can uh, be clinically integrated so that patients are not left out and patients feel that they've sort of been, um, you know, going through the ringer when they go to the healthcare system, and it should be a, a welcoming place, a place where um, they get supported and they get supported everywhere, not only within the physicians' offices or the hospitals, but out, as an as an outpatient in the community where you're, let's say, going to the grocery store and you have just a new diagnosis of diabetes. How can somebody help them, or what kind of uh, support can they get to uh, let's say go down the cereal aisle and pick out the right cereal for them so that they're not exacerbating
0: their diabetic symptoms do you see a collaboration tapestry emerging here or is this just you know a uh, you know, full-born head-to-head competition you know academic medical centers kaiser the skippers of the world uh, brown and tollen you know what what do, what do you see
1: yeah, I, I see that the progressive organizations are definitely have to be collaborative. Um, I don't think one organization can do all these things. Uh, after all, you know the amount of time that a patient spends uh, with physicians and, and the the uh, four clinic walls, so to speak, is, is less than one percent of your, your whole lifetime. And um, at the same time, they have to be able to reach out into the community and use technology also as a as a means to help guide patients. And I think it's going to change the way that physicians are viewed, it's no longer going to be a paternalistic or at least going to be less paternalistic, and it'll be more of a coaching role, and it'll be more of an advisory role so that patients have uh, more say, really, in in what they're uh, experiencing and how they're managing their their, uh, chronic diseases.
0: Is there a conduit for these conversations? For instance, is IHA out there? Who's providing the, hey, let's get together and talk about collaboration energy?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's funny you mentioned IHA. They're they're having a P for P conference uh, today in San Francisco um, on um, primarily pay for performance, but they're actually the, about half of those sessions are talking about ACOs. So clearly, um, the, the IHA is uh, interested in uh, seeing this big shift and trying to be um, a thought leader and trying to encourage uh, the types of collaborations that are going to um, really change the way that healthcare is going to be delivered.
0: Uh, since I'm guilty of acronym uh, leveraging, it's uh, the Integrated Healthcare Association, just IHA. Yeah, are, are you uh, are you involved in IHA?
1: Yeah, Skipper is involved in IHA. Uh, we are participating uh, medical group, uh, and we uh, submit our uh, our clinical data to uh, to IHA for um, for evaluation. Um, but one thing about IHA, and this is something, this is the reason why I think the uh, the P for P movement is not um, as strong and is is really declining uh, based on the amount of um, sort of uh, incentives that the health plans have uh, contributed to this program. Um, You know, there was a study a couple years ago that looked at uh, what were the results of uh, some of the first couple years of IHA, uh, uh, P4P um, uh, program uh, improvements. And the only thing that really showed was that they uh, improved on the um, uh, use of uh, IT systems to sort of integrate uh, these medical groups. And and on quality side and on the reduction of cost, um They didn't quite achieve uh the goal that they expected, and I think that's the reason why um that movement has really um slowed down uh, tremendously and people are now focusing obviously on the more the more pressing one which is the a c o and I think part of the reason why is because um Pay for performance in and of itself is, was seen by a lot of people and, and now seen by more people as a band-aid solution to the reform for to, to the payment reform system. And uh, just by pay, again, you're you're doing uh, sort of a fee-for-service type of thing. You you do a colonoscopy, you get recognized for it, and you get a bonus. That's that's still volume-based. And an ACO system is definitely uh, going to
0: be uh, beyond that. Interesting. Um- I just got distracted here for a minute. but I wanted to ask you about where are the academic medical centers here? What's their what's what's their role? Um the academic medical centers will still
1: remain, uh, you know, the the role have a role as a tertiary care center. Um some academic medical centers have decided that they're going to go into the community as part of their um ext- uh, sort of uh, backward integration into into the community. Other medical centers are probably staying a little bit more um, on the hill, so to speak, and and, and being referred patients um, uh, when when needed for tertiary care. I think um, the the academic medical centers are going to be a little bit more difficult to integrate into the system, partly because um, they're typically associated with higher costs, and but also these the patients that are, that are using the tertiary care. Uh, level services are obviously more complicated and, and have more, um, uh, more conditions and
0: comorbidities. Without drilling in too deep into confidential areas, um, are these conversations with payers you mentioned earlier, are they exploratory? Or are you getting to letters of intent? How far along is that?
1: Um, I, they're at various stages. I think some of them are getting close to letters of intent. Um, and again, it, it, de- it depends on how closely um, the the partnership on the provider side is working, um, and so we're, doing, we're working with uh, you know, several of our hospital partners um, in, in, in these discussions, um, and others are they're just exploratory in the sense that they want to use California, I think, as a, as a, um, you know, a test uh, area because we've done managed care for so long that uh, we understand all the nuances and, and all the different uh, challenges that uh, managed care may have, uh, particularly when going to ACO.
0: Other than the traditional underwriting, marketing, and admin side of things, where's the value add on on the payer side?
1: That's a very controversial topic, and I think um, the payers, you know, have a a role in um, organization, I think. Um, They bring to the table um, the different parties, and they obviously have close links with the employer groups, the, the ultimate payers. Um, they also have uh, underwriting and actuarial uh, experience in managing risk, which I think a lot of these provider organizations currently don't have. Um, and as you know, in, their, in the early days of managed care, when um, physician groups were uh, being uh, very aggressive with uh, risk management, uh, many of them failed because they underestimated the, uh, their ability to manage risk. Um these days i think it's a little bit different because uh, we have better data systems and i think as um as physician and provider groups you know physician hospitals and provider groups become more um, mature in handling their own data um, they should be able to take on more risk
0: so you are basically an advocate and enabler of the private practice uh component in the a c o movement correct
1: yeah we we've from our perspective, we believe that the independent practicing physician
0: um, offers the,
1: uh, the best uh, environment uh, for high-quality, low-cost uh, care.
0: So talk about the other pieces that you've developed um, that has enabled you to be successful in, in this domain when many others have pushed risk back and basically folded their tents. What's, what's been your secret sauce?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I think our, our, our main secret sauce, I guess, is that uh, we have a common platform for communication amongst all of our 800 independently practicing physicians. That's not an easy thing to achieve um, given that uh, a lot of physicians, especially independent practicing physicians, um, don't generally communicate well with one another. So I think the communication piece is, is critical. The second piece is that we, we do have uh, great relationships with uh, hospitalists, uh, which we have one group that just manages our patients in uh, four out of the six hospitals uh, that we have. And having a hospitalist group that understands um, the uh, way that patient care should be managed and also is able to connect back directly to our um, outpatient PCPs um, is extremely important. Because as you know, um, a lot of the uh, excess costs that are associated with uh, health care are readmissions, and readmissions are reduced tremendously when you have uh, good inpatient-outpatient connections. Um The other piece that we have a really uh, strong um, sort of presence in or function is is managing uh, skilled nursing facilities and uh, managing that population, both transferring in as well as transferring out of those facilities. Uh, we have a program where we can have direct admits from the ER into the skilled nursing facility and that saves um, hospital admissions and uh, appropriately utilizes those resources uh, when it comes to managing
0: patients. By the way, speaking of specialists, there's a recent uh uh, article in becker's hospital review titled "Hospitals and acos the perfect fit question mark <laughs> so i just uh enumerated the very points he just made some of them um so let me ask you this are you hopeful you know looking forward uh, uh some say uh gee this is just uh you know more of the same we're going to muddle through but nothing's really going to change start are you in that camp
1: no actually um i am hopeful and um I think uh, there are people that think that if uh, the uh, other party in Congress right now is trying to reduce the, you know, incentives and all the other things associated with the health reform bill, that this ACO movement is going to die. I think that those people um, have their heads in the sand because it's not an option at this point, regardless of who's in power in Congress. Um, The providers and healthcare industry needs to wake up and say, we can't continue doing what we've been doing the last 30 or 40 years. This is the, the, the entire thing has to change because we can't continue to afford 17, to 18 percent GDP costs um, and, you know, the highest costs in the world at the same time with really mediocre uh, results. So I'm very hopeful that uh, we finally have gotten to a point where the system is so broken that we can't possibly function this way and we have to make some really big changes.
0: Well, let me ask you, is part of that optimism the fact that you actually worked through and built this common platform
1: yeah I think that's that 's also part of it i think um, having uh, leveraging technology these days um, certainly um, is is going to give uh, those organizations that have the wherewithal to to use that to um, to help manage their organizations and change the organization uh, to fit the new model um, definitely um, is is part of my optimism. Our, our software is, uh, you know, not only administratively uh, focused, but also now recently with a partnership uh, with Access Technologies, this uh, UK Scotland-based company um, now has a clinical hub associated with it. So it will have both administrative and, and clinical information at the fingertips of all of our practitioners, all 800 of them within Santa Clara County.
0: And this is a cloud-based solution.
1: Uh, it's available through the web. Um, it's uh, not
0: specifically a cloud. Um, uh, application at this point okay um, w- was this something that that was co-developed uh, did they have turnkey did you tweak it for your how'd that work
1: yeah so what was happening was we had developed uh, our health our solution called access to, uh, access uh, express which has been in place in about 15 other organizations in California. Um, many IPAs, especially some of the bigger ones, have Access Express in their system, and we were looking for a way to improve it. And one thing that we felt that needed it, that it needed was clinical uh, information. And we searched around and found uh, this company, which had a similar trajectory. About 10 years ago, they, uh, again, physician led, uh, were developing a system for care coordination. And uh, had this uh, uh, clinical hub that was was perfect, and we've integrated that into uh, our administrative software and now presents as one, and we're currently using that and, and Skipper
0: right now. How did you how did you spell that? I'm looking for that right now on the uh, web. Uh, Access
1: Technologies is uh-huh. A X S Y S,
0: A X S Y S, A X S Y S. Okay, right. okay, and so was that. Uh, I guess exploration, implementation, rollout experience, was that a culture-building process with the docs? Did they sort of get engaged in this electronic connectivity?
1: Yeah, the docs actually, uh, you know because of the way that uh, PPMSI runs, we mandate that all the communication be done through our Access Express portal. So um, adding a, a, a clinical hub to that was relatively straightforward from a user perspective because it's just another button on the uh, on the dashboard. Um, on the technical side, however, obviously it was uh, required a lot of work, and uh, we were able to roll it out within uh, within a few months. And um, it, st- it was uh, started I think in late September, and we currently have all of our docs on it. Um, it has lab information, uh, radiology information, and pharmacy data uh, in the system, and uh, the lab data is refreshed, um, I believe, once a week. The um, uh, pharma- pharmacy data is furnished uh, to us by the health plans uh, once a month, and the radiology data is essentially real-time. And if, uh, if our providers have access to the radiology viewing system, they could actually view the actual image uh, through, the, through our portal.
0: Okay, I think I Is that the Excellicare product? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, okay, got it. So, uh now did they put uh, so it's it's a it's a condition of participation in the entity that they have to have this relationship, correct? That's correct. And it, it does it reflect just the book of business specific to the contracts that uh, Skippa holds or did they put everything on the on this?
1: Uh, that's a good question. So, because of HIPAA reasons, we can only put the uh, HMO line of business in the system. However, as we move towards an ACO, that will um, allow us to uh, put in other uh, data as well, which will be including the PPO data, ACO data, whatever else that's in there, which obviously would be more advantageous uh, for user adoption uh, because you know, every, every provider has more than just HMO patients.
0: How about interoperability here with, let's say, this collaboration vision and entities to the north and the south and the east and the west? Well, there's, there's not much west, but <laughs> to the east of you. Can they, could they all rally around this, uh, this uh, electronic connectivity, uh, HIE equivalent situation?
1: Yeah, I think that, that remains to be seen because of the different um, ways that uh, individual communities of healthcare are practicing. Um, they may or may not be accepting of it, but we certainly would be able to integrate into like a statewide um, HIE or a regional um, health information organization. Um, our intent is not to keep this data siloed as, you know, that that's completely opposite of what we want to do. We want the data to be available at, to the provider at the point of care, uh, you know, with security so that it's available to the right people. Um, and our first um, challenge of interoperability is with actually with the hospitals to get them on board. Uh, we, we are integrating with uh, one of our major hospitals in San Jose. And then the next will be uh, EMRs for physicians so that that will be integrated in as well.
0: Cool. So uh, we had not really talked about this much, but where's, is there a research angle here, you know, clinical pathways, best practices? Is that, uh, is that factor in at all?
1: Yeah, that's actually a great point. We're actually um, in, in, in talks with uh, NCQA. Um, in their application with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation grant to look at um, shared decision making um, as a uh, one of the indicators for higher quality care. So, as you know, shared decision making involves um, getting the patient's uh, information uh, in a way that they understand the the, uh, the issues res- uh, regarding the decision that they need to be making, um, and having providers provide that information in a sort of uh, Standardized and um, patient-centered way. So, MCQA is currently uh, submitting a proposal on uh, low back pain and prostate cancer as their two models, and they'll be doing a study, hopefully with us, once they get the grant.
0: Will you have a patient portal?
1: Yes, uh, we we plan to roll out a patient portal um, probably in the third or fourth quarter this year, and initially it'll be designed specifically for a disease process like diabetes. Um, the patient portal um, aspect of the Excel care has the uh, IVR capabilities or interactive voice recognition capabilities, so we'll be able to use uh, technologies such as uh, you know, cell phones and, and, and regular landline phones to uh, incorporate uh, patient participation and engagement with their own chronic disease management.
0: Excellent, Wayne. So we're, we're coming up on the, the tail end of this uh, broadcast today. Um, um, do you have any uh, concluding thoughts you'd like to offer before we sort of wind this down?
1: Um, I would just say that uh, the, the whole ACL movement is uh, alive and, and well, and I expect it to continue regardless of uh, what happens in Washington, D.C., and I, and I encourage uh, other provider organizations and, and payers to, uh, to join uh, the movement so that we can uh, recreate or create a, a brand-new healthcare delivery system that's patient-centered, um, high-quality, high and low-cost.
0: So, are you available to talk about what you do if people wanted to get involved with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I could. You have my uh, contact information.
0: Okay. So, yeah. contact me and I'll just make make the introduction. Yep, that'll be great. Okay, great. All right. Well, I, I really pre- it was great meeting you in Orlando. It was wonderful having you at the Health Camp San Diego. But what what you think of Health Camp?
1: Oh, I loved it. I think it was a great uh, great experience, and I encourage everybody to uh, att- attend at least one, and you'll see. It's uh, it's really fun.
0: Would you recommend it to your physician peers? Yeah, absolutely. I've been talking about it to other people. Awesome, awesome. So I'll just put in a plug for Health Camp SF Bay, which will be this uh, September, uh, leading into the Health 2.0 week of activities. So, again, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Wayne Pan, for his time today. Really good uh insights as to what's going on up there in Santa Clara County. They're definitely the de facto version of what a a private practice independent physician vehicle slash ACO is going to look like in my book. So thanks again, Wayne. Thank you, Greg. Okay. Thank you for joining us. We're winding down here. We do this every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. 2 p.m. Eastern, and next week I'm going to uh, be uh, graciously talking to the folks at Med Decision, another outfit that I met in Orlando and Hems. They've got some interesting things going on, so please uh, stay with us and uh, follow us on um, Twitter at ACO Watch. This is Greg Masters signing off. Bye now.